Hey everyone, welcome to She Brigade the Podcast. I'm your host, Bilun Lumsemech. On each episode, we bring you amazing trailblazing women to come share with you their life and career journeys, from entrepreneurs to nine to fivers and everyone in between. Our guests go through all of the highs and all the lows of this life journey that have brought them to being who they are today. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of She Brigade. Today we have Ayanda Mbonanivana on the show. And, and, and I didn't tell you this before we started, but the reason I wanted you on, so we met at the one of the In Good Company events mm, with Jabulilia, yeah. right? And guys, when I tell you that <laughs> you commanded the table... <laughs> you commanded the table and I, I had I didn't know you, I hadn't heard of you or anything, but for me I loved how passionate you were when you were speaking. You are just so well thought, well read, well researched oh, wow. and I loved seeing the confidence that came from you. Like I was like just sitting there on some Ivan, who's this girl? <laughs> you know? And that's when I knew that I wanted you on the show because um, I think it's people like you that I feel like really can inspire the next generation yeah. of women. Yeah. Just the fact that you are so confident, the fact that you are so, um, yeah, and you, you're like, you're just well-spoken. And I just wanted oh, to know, wow, how did you. you get to being like this? Because, uh, you know, your story will kind of help me. And I was hoping that your story will help us understand how you really got to this point. Because you, you literally commanded the whole table that day. And it was quite unbelievable sure. to watch. Thank and you. you. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that. that <laughs> no, day. that's honestly why really? I contacted oh, wow. you to begin with. And okay, so for those who don't know, so Ayanda is so Ayanda obtained her LLB from Rhodes University and is currently studying um, for Masters in Law at WITS. Mm. And you recently completed your articles. Yes. Um, your can what is attorney articles? Candidate. Well, can- as a, as a candidate attorney, and I completed my articles. There we law. go. Yes. Yeah. And then recently <laughs> things just i didn't even know this before i contacted you so i found out after i contacted you for the interview that she she recently now is the coo of kula app yes uh, that, that's the, and that's a tech startup for farmers in africa but we'll go into it yes. you'll tell us a bit more about it and what you're doing in that space so welcome to the show thank you so much i think um I was even saying to you earlier on that I was like, is this the right time to come on? Because there's so much <laughs> happening. And then you're like, everything will happen in mine's time. And you're like, is this the right season? But I'm hoping that what I'm about to share will hopefully impact someone's life and it will be the right time before mm. their specific season. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. So let's dive right into it. So mm. tell us a bit about who is Ayada? Where do you come from? You know, your upbringing, your schooling, you as a kid growing up. Um, so I was born in Pretoria, but I was raised in Guamhlanga. It's a small um, township outside Pretoria. I went to school there. I was raised in a really loving home. I think the great thing that I'm so, so, so grateful for is my parents. My parents have always been hardworking. I've seen how they've just done the most with what, with, with what they have from mm. provision for education. Just the things we had, the resources we had in life was because of their hard work. I mean, I used to, I remember seeing my dad. So my dad has two job so he's a businessman and he has another full-time job and he needs that full-time job because business is not always stable yeah so he was in logistics and he has trucks and drivers but there's this thing about if you don't own the truck and your drivers will do not treat your truck the way they would treat it as if it, they, it was their truck and the one time the truck broke down was during the easter weekend and the driver was just like i'm out i'm going home and he left in the middle of nowhere 
And I think, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, he had plans for the Easter week. He was mm. not going to stay with the truck until, you know, they fix it. Done, yeah. So um, he left the truck there and then he went home. And then my dad had to drive there. So I remember we drove my dad there. He slept there inside the truck for the mechanic to come the next morning. Because sure. if he left the truck there, someone was, anything could have happened to that truck. So that just shows you how hardworking they are and the sacrifices they've made. I don't know. I think I'm just so grateful that I got to see that firsthand. And everything I do, I always look back to, if it was not because of my parents' sacrifices, I would not be where I am. My parents had the option of just having one stable job and then that's it. Mm. But they knew they had another, they needed an, another outlet to bring an income for schooling. And because of that, I was able to go to the schools. I was able to go to the schools that I went to. I was able to be comfortable in life and to focus on education. And that's something my dad would say, don't worry about anything else. Just focus on, on your education because that's your main goal. Don't worry about what you need to do in the home or those things. So we were never raised in like, girls must do this, boys must do this. We were all like raised equally mm. from me driving, like <laughs> taking diesel to, driving the bike and taking diesel to the trucks on site. I was busy running around in the bike here and then my brother was also doing something else. So we were always raised in that kind of home and it was just so warm and so hardworking and just having to see that firsthand also motivated me in life to strive for more, to always have a motivation beyond what I see, what I want to accomplish. Yeah. And so I grew up in that kind of setting. And in the first three years of my schooling career, I was in a, I would say, not a great school. There weren't a lot of good schools around. So my parents made the decision that I must go to boarding school. And for me, when I went to boarding school, because I was in a school that was not great, I had to repeat grade four. It was very hard. I felt very embarrassed. My parents were proud. They felt that it was the right move because yeah. I was firstly, I didn't have the other school was more ahead with what they were doing. I didn't have a lot of that. So I was going to mm. get stuck mm. in a grade without understanding anything because I didn't have that content and that would have made you feel even worse that would have made me feel worse yeah, you felt like you couldn't understand what's going exactly. on exactly mm. i wouldn't be able to understand anything and also the fact that just the syllabus was quite behind and i remember fighting it and then my dad was just <laughs> like stop it there's nothing wrong with this there is nothing wrong with this and i cried i think i cried like the whole weekend i couldn't even tell my <laughs> old friends that i'm leaving the school to be in the, another grade because in my previous school i did really well i was like one of the top kids um i got really high marks and now i'm having to go to this new school in boarding school first secondly and that again was readjusting to this world of now i have to in boarding school mm. and then now having to repeat a grade and when i got there my previous school was mostly um i would I it was not a model c school so i couldn't speak proper english so kids used to laugh at me um i was in another, so the way they classify grades is a 0 0.1, 0.2, 0.3, 0.4 system. And that, it was such a messed up system. I, this is why I have problems with education, how it's structured. So that's the way it was structured was that the top kids on 0.1, so there'll be 4.1, <laughs> the least top kids were in 4.4. So I was put in 4.3. So it was a second best class. Yeah. Um, no, second, second last, last class. Yeah. Yes. 
And I remember studying out, couldn't speak English properly. I was laughed at uh, by the kids. I was only exposed to Nguni languages. So I couldn't say the Tswana words, names properly. So they would laugh at me because I couldn't say Titebukho. How crazy is that? Now I can say it. <laughs> so for me, that was a struggle to yeah. even say that word. It's like, how do I say her name? Because if I say it wrong, they're going to laugh at me. So I think there was a lot of just like bullying around the way I spoke, the way I pronounced things, pronounced um, people's names, just getting used to this new space. And I mean, boarding school, I mean, I'm not having to readjust to coming from a home that was just so warm and present mm. and there for me. My mom is my best friend. You know, my mom is, my mom calls me to talk about the Kardashians. I know about <laughs> celebrities because of my mom. Yeah. My mom and I have that relationship, you know. And then my dad is just like, we speak about business and what's the future and he's always been that person because he's always believed so much in me yeah so i came from that with my brothers and they're now having to come to this i don't have my family next to me i don't i don't understand what they're saying i'm struggling with english and everyone's making fun of me and now i'm in this grade in this class when there's nothing wrong with it and i think that's also my other views about this education system but i'm in this class which is looked up look they look down on this class so I spent the first year, I worked really hard. By end of the year, I got an award, the most improved student. And oh, wow. I know, <laughs> I know, from the girl who couldn't speak English properly. The girl that was laughed at. She yes. was laughed at too, in the same year. And I also, oh, I forgot to say, I actually started school quite late into the year too. So I didn't start beginning of the year. So that's another reason why they put me back and said mm. I must repeat grade four because I came into, I think I started in like April or something. So it was already four months in into schooling and there was already that gap that I didn't have mm. to so in my t- few months there I had accomplished that and also in the next year they put me 5.1 so I moved from 0.4.3 to 5.1 it was just like another wow okay you can't do this and I think had I let anyone or that situation define me I would not be where I am right yeah. now in the sense that I enjoy speaking I get excited to speak. That's what I was saying. You're so well-spoken. And now for you to even say that you come from a place where there was a point where you actually made fun of the way you speak. And I, that, that's I think crazy. if I had let that define me, I yeah. would have let my circumstance, I would have become a person of my own circumstance. Mm. It would have defined how I look at life. It would have defined whether I would be here or not. And at that age, of course, I, I was allowed the situation to swallow me. But as I grew out of it, I was just like, no. I do enjoy talking. I am talkative. I'm known for that. And I enjoy engaging with people. I wouldn't let those situations, those circumstances to define me. And mm. I think that's why as people, we let small situations define us. We become prisons of that. Like when we're going through hard times, we become prisons of our own pain. We actually become, become, become a victim of our own pain, which is something that, you know, there's not... I'm not saying it's okay not to embrace that season of feeling bad, feeling going through the bad times, but... We sometimes let ourselves go through a point like, no, I will not do anything in my life because I am defined by this pain. And I think it's so important for us to really step out of those sort of corners or step out of those comfort zones because it comes to comfort and to say, actually, I can mm. overcome this. Mm. And I think for me, that was my main thing of when I finished primary school after the very hard time in primary school. I entered um, high school thinking to myself, actually, I want to accomplish a lot of things. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to become a prefect. I want to be this. And in doing all of those things, I have to be involved at school. I have to engage with people. And Mm. I shouldn't let people define me. I should break out of that shell. And even if they make fun of me, 
let them make fun of me because it doesn't define me and it's not always easy but having to have that as my background it allowed me to look at those things just a little bit of you know I think not allowing it fully to to take to capture me in that moment so I think I think more than anything I just had sort of the understanding of that education so powerful because mm. my parents put everything they were like this is what we have this is where we're sending it it was the best that they could do in that time it had nothing to do with i went to private school no i didn't go to a private school i think it's often we want to achieve this but we can my parents were here when i say here they were a bit lower and yeah it, and we, and get your like, hands on it actually it's a recording it's a recording i use my hands when yeah. i speak so i use a lot of my hands when i speak so they, were, they went as high but they were able to do the best with what they had yeah. and now are sending me away to get the education and um and then just understanding that value of education seeing that sacrifice were put in place no parent wants to send their kid away to boarding mm. school no parent wants to see that i mean i said my younger brother now they're like you're not going to boarding school we're not sending you to boarding school because they it, it's not an easy thing mm. and so i just valued education from that moment and i knew that school was what would get me far and it's not the same it's not the same reality for everyone because yeah. there's so many great entrepreneurs out there but the context that my parents sort of paved in my life was that education was so important or so critical for me to get ahead in life because they never got those opportunities so i got to high school i went to girls high Pretoria girls high and i started grade eight it was great got involved in everything debating sca um yeah poetry club so i was very involved in school but one thing that i just saw is that there was a lacking of young people and being involved in the community and i've always been passionate ah. about young people specifically specifically women i mean i'm very like women focused yeah. uh, like empowering women advancing women and i think anything that i try to do i always try to diversify my field by saying where are the women where are the black women what are we doing to empower them mm. because there's so many obstacles there's so many systems in place that you have to be intentional about looking for those women yeah. like, there are no a lot of female devs no have you looked though what have you done to look for the right women you can't say there aren't any so i've just always been passionate about that in grade 11 we started a youth initiative it was called clay pots um so initially it started as sexual i'm um, youth against sexual violence but then we realized that actually we want to do a lot more besides sexual violence and then it became youth against social injustices and our first and I think our most successful thing we ever did, and this was in grade 11, do mind, we were so busy in school. Yeah, because grade 11 is a, like, a very hard year, actually. It is very hard. And I, mm. I think for me, I was just like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Doing all of that at the same time. Yeah. And um, so we did this youth initiative. We did a march um, against sexual violence. And this march was to encourage young people to get involved, specifically high school kids. So it was so cool. We got a lot of... Um, assistance we got 94.7 was involved we got mm. 94.7 involved funny enough Questa performed this was before when Questa was a person like known no one knew who Questa was at that point and when I see him now I'm like we remember you <laughs> yeah. at, our, at our march after we marched the silent protest and then we had also sugar smacks we had the department of human sentiments who also assisted in sure. that so it was really great to see young people come together and then after coming together just to see 
what we could do mm. with what we had mm. and also going back to my parents you don't have to have everything you have to just use what you have to make something happen and do it well and i think so often we, we try to mediocre mediocre job because of what we have mm. but you can really take something small and make it something big yeah and so from that young people talking about sexual violence it was a movement it was cool and i think with life things just got so hectic that we never focused on what we were doing it just became one of those things that I look back to I'm like wow we were able to accomplish that and so when I finished high school um yeah so okay let me just even say my matric year was crazy I don't know how I did it um I yo involved in almost everything being a prefect head of house head of this head of that and I think there needs to be a change in how they do the education system because it's not an easy thing to do you yeah. know I see my younger brother and I'm like don't focus on this focus on two things I think there's so much push to do everything but you don't have to do everything mm -mm. you spread yourself so thin you know you don't become the best version of yourself in every I would say um every well, different sports, whatever it is, because you're spending, spending yourself so thin. But then when I finished that year, I was just like, no, I'm done with all of this. I don't want to be involved in anything. I can't do this. And then I got to university. I went to Rhodes University, did my first degree before I did my LLB. So I did a Bachelor of Social Science and Political Studies. Oh. But I wanted to be a politician. Um, it also stemmed from this whole thing of wanting to help people yes, and yeah. also law being another element, human rights lawyer, and also always having this passion. So that's when I started. Then I also had journalism. Journalism, journalists speak to people, you know, and mm. they tell stories. So I had that in my first year. And I think my first term, I was like, not going to do anything. It didn't even take me long to get involved in <laughs> and leading up stuff in university, leading up another rape, sexual violence um, portfolio and just being super involved if it's uh, in you it's in you i just <laughs> you I try get, to run away exactly you like you back. it calls you back i think i've always been just that yeah. multifaceted person i've always been involved in every single thing and i've enjoyed doing that mm. and I'm, i strive on being busy i strive on just keeping my mind focused on different things i'm not a wine kind of person i can't do law forever mm. i can't be stuck with one thing i have to be super involved with a lot of things and I think it's also a lot of goes back to my faith. You know, I'm just, um, I think having to see what God puts in our lives that having to find your, your purpose because your purpose becomes your passion. You know, people always ask, what must I do in life? I'm like, find your purpose so that you turn that into your, your I mean, to find your per passion and turn that into your purpose. Mm. And it will be easy for you to do your job. You won't be, feel like you're working because you found your passion and you're making it your purpose now. So I think a lot of the things that I did was a lot of things I was passionate about. Mm. And like, I know that I have to be involved with women. And a lot of the things I did in university were women-orientated, empowering women, empowering young people, educating people about their legal rights when it comes to sexual violence. Mm. When must I do in those situations? Domestic violence. And sort of finding that sort of level of involvement. And I think another important part that I have to highlight, and I wrote it down specifically, was that with all of this um, journalism and politics and law that I did, I decided first that I actually can't do journalism. It's just too much work. And I didn't enjoy writing. <laughs> so behind the screen, I'm like, I can't be doing this life. It's not my thing. Yeah. But law and politics stood out. Mm. And so... In the midst of that, one thing I actually wanted to have to highlight is that I actually started my first business in Varsity. Um, we had a student carpooling app. Oh. So the whole idea was that Rhodes is very um, 
if you come to Rota, there are no student shuttles. There are no, there's no public transport. So it's hard to Get rely on, on mm. those. And especially when it rains and it's such a also windy, rainy place that you need to have a car. Mm. But not everyone has a car. So what we started was a student carpooling app and to, with my two business partners. And we're like, yeah, we're going to build this app. We're going to do this app. Obviously, me with zero understanding of <laughs> how to build an app. And then we started doing research around which other universities have similar problems. Yeah. And Stellenbosch was one of them because I, when I went to Stellenbosch, I saw that I studied the town. I'm like, wait, Schoenstos have the same problem as us. You know, and it's a small, small town. Everything's close by, but there are those moments when you do need to get to one place to another. Or it's too mm. late. And it's too... And I experienced that when I was working at Varsity because I was stooging at a, at a high school. And I'll work so far... And sometimes I'll have to leave campus so late and it was not safe. I saw the weirdest things, the moments when I would pray on my way to, 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 to the house, because the student housing, because I stayed at the hostel when I was working there. And I would just pray and be oh like, Lord, this guy is doing the shadiest things. I just want to get there safe. And so that's what happened. And then we had the student carpooling app. But luckily by that time when it kicked off, I think it was the following year, I had a car. So uh, what we did was, uh, I was also a driver because it's very similar to what Uber did. When Uber started, they actually bought their first 50 cars. So you can't have an app and you don't have drivers because when people yeah. start requesting, who are they requesting to? Very similar to Airbnb, when they started out, they took photos of all the houses to set the standard of this is what the house looks yeah. like. So we were like the drivers. And I think we eventually got a few other drivers, but there were a lot. And then it became a thing that an app was just hard to build. It was more like a manual request. So I used to be a driver. My parents don't know this. <laughs> surprise, if they listen. That I used my car to transport <laughs> students. Um, but it was a really great experience um, to just do something like that and mm. having to be involved in that. And I think now when I look back to what I'm doing right now, I'm like, oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember that in my The lessons learned, the lessons from, learned that. from that. Mm. So, yeah, I think, so that's my schooling career. Um, I, yeah, that's sort of my schooling career from primary to university. Yeah, so then you swapped to LLB. So what I did was I did a five-year route. So you have two options. Do a four-year route, a five-year route for LLB. You do a straight LLB. I chose not to do a straight LLB. I chose to do two degrees in five years. Okay. So I did my undergrad um, and... I did my, my majors were politics and law, and then I completed my LLB two years after that. Ah, and okay. then after five years, I had LLB. And yeah, so that's how it worked out. Mm. And then, okay, so then, so now you have your degree. So tell us about you entering the working world. Um, so a formal working world, because I feel like you had already, you had already been working. I mean, yes, I, <laughs> I, busy. I, I, I think the thing is with working, I had started working when I was in my third year because I was studying mm. as, so studying being a student assistant at a boarding school, looking after primary school kids, a lot of work, um, but a true blessing, but a lot of work. And I also was a tutor. So I had like jobs in between, yeah. which was really hectic because I was very involved. Um, I think after that year, I actually reevaluated my life and said, I can't do this. I can't do all of these things. And I actually stopped working completely. 
And I told my parents that I can't. And they were like, you were never expected to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Who said you must do those things? You know, <laughs> we told you that's going to be hectic. So that's when I started working. But my official professional work was when I finished university. I actually applied in my third year. Um, so third, three years of five to do my articles and then um yeah and then so for two years I sort of knew where I was going where I was working towards because I had signed my articles in my third year and I had two more years to go and started at the at the firm learned a lot um I think I also learned a lot of the good things and also the not bad things um but I think with with everything you do I think it's so important to always be passionate about what you're doing and not only be passionate about what you're doing to find purpose in that. And for me, I'm all I'm driven by purpose. Because I literally can make anything work. Tell me to do something, I'll do it. I'm not a person that can't make things work. Mm. Don't tell me about numbers, but anything else in life, I could make it work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally could make it work. And so for me, it was really finding myself in all of that. I learned a lot of good things and I learned a lot of things about what corporate does to people getting to the top is a small fraction i need to know that when i get there i've had an impact around the people i've worked with people have learned from me people have grown from me i I always say i want to be the boss that i never had you know Mm. because i know what it looks like to have a boss that's not the qualities that you look for in a person to mentor you to grow you and i think a lot of people are so scared to talk about this because like oh my gosh what's gonna happen what if i never get a job i really trust there are good jobs out there there are good companies that promote mental health promote healthy working that promote just a good space and i think not seeing that no law is tough that's how it is there is no such thing you we've made it to be like that people can do well not in a toxic environment you know how about Mm. we start with that let's fix that let's fix this environment in being in law um i think i it goes back to that whole thing that i was very multifaceted i was never one person that does one thing Mm. and i think with what the career can do to you it can make you one one person it can make you that i had the lawyer full stop and i'm like no that's there's more me. to me. There's more. I don't. It's such a mediocre dream to dream to be just. There's nothing wrong. What do you mean? No, for me, I just always saw yeah. that I didn't strive for a position. I tr- strive for a quality that I mm. want to be influential. That I want to be the head of this. So that's for me has always been a thing that I never look to a position yeah. to where I'm getting to. I always look to wh- when getting there. What have I done to be? that kind of person around people was I influential was I impactful what did I do to be that person mm-hmm. so for me it's always been like hit you know having that the, the 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 position doesn't define what I can actually do for other people because there's other people with amazing positions but impact are they teaching you don't you don't really see you any don't of see that, that. Yeah. I've always had a plan and for the first time I don't know where my plan is going and that's okay and I think that goes in goes back to having faith and trusting yeah. God to say that I have to be present, I have to surrender, I have to let God pave my way, I have to let God set my goals for me. I have my overall picture. This is where I want to get. How am I going how am I going to get there? I don't know. Right now I know that where I am is building or leading me to where I'm going. Mm. But how does it look like in terms of the bigger picture? I pray that it looks like what I think it's going to look like, but 
I don't have an idea of how things are going to look like. Yeah. And it's scary <laughs> for someone who likes planning. It's mm. like, I think I have my moments. I'm like, oh, okay, God. Okay, okay, I'm not being anxious. Okay, God, I'm going to let you do a thing. But oh, just tell me something. Just tell me a sign. <laughs> just a sign. sign. <laughs> just a sign. Then I'll be okay. And then God is just like, trust me. You know, trust yeah. me. Trust me that everything will work out the way I want it to work out. So I think a lot of the listeners will have this question. How did you go from law to COO yeah. of a startup? Yeah. Like that is a, an unexpected transition, yeah. to say the least. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. How did I get there? Um, so the story is, um, so I think, as I said, I was always a planner. I knew how I went to apply for my articles two if not even two years it was two and a half years in advance i knew where i was going to after after finishing my my university mm. i knew where i was going i knew where i was going i just always had a plan and then for the first time it had my plan was disrupted with an, a new opportunity <laughs> and i think one of the things about it with this opportunity it really made me think broader and rechange my perspective yeah. of how i've always seen things different from the one you know that you have to be the one or maybe you only have one career career path because you studied this and i think when i started studying a lot of the coos or the ceos is that a lot of them started somewhere else and ended it elsewhere and i'm like okay that's fine for me that's right for me and i think i also believe that i studied studied law maybe to lead me to a different path you know um because i know now when i walk into the boardroom table i think like a lawyer and what we, with what we do is we do B2B e-commerce. And it's such an evolving space that you need someone who thinks like a lawyer. Mm. Because you're always thinking about the legal side and say, okay, guys, I see this is great. And any, with any entrepreneur, especially tech entrepreneurs, they think great, big, and you're like, okay, let's go back to reality. Legally, can we do this? Not even legally, practically, is this possible? And I think that's something that I always say to my parents. I'm like, we're having this career shift. The way it happened, I think, let me go back. Not even creation, it's a career transition. Every, It's a transition to a new opportunity. And I think I'm taking this opportunity as an, an ass assignment. Um, and I don't know how that that's going to look like in a couple of years. Um, so the way I came to get this is that I actually knew the founder of Kula. So I work for Kula app now. Um, what Kula does, it connects farmers to merging to the it connects some farmers to the formal market and that's so important because you know when you start a business i don't have a business but <laughs> i assume this is what happens um, i feel like when you start a business you started because you're passionate about that thing but everything else around it you may not necessarily know you're yeah. not acknowledged in like say you were even if you were to start like let me just use my sister as an example my sister's a fashion designer she's yeah. passionate about designing clothes hmm. I don't know how much she knows about the, all of the logistics of it all and all yeah. of that. So I feel like it's so important for farmers. When somebody, for a farmer, I feel like they do it because they want to farm. Yeah. They want to create produce. They want to do that. Yeah. But they may not necessarily know all the other things. And it's nice mm. that you're helping them and adding into the to helping them grow in that way. Yeah. yeah. And I think that also the thing is, we, agriculture is one of the biggest industries in the world. Mm. We will always need food. Like even during a recession, people need to eat. And what we do is we export billions and billions of food from other countries, but we have 60% of land where we can actually grow produce on our land. Mm. And so that's always that problem that why are we going outside to find this yeah. and instead of growing it locally or educating or farming locally. So I think that's one thing that we just haven't, 
invested properly in the sector you know you find government investing so much into the sector but they get it wrong all the time do you find that government invest millions billions into the sector but then when they come back you don't see the results and there's no traceability within that space but one thing we're doing is we are growing quite fast but besides that so he asked me to do this i thought to myself oh my gosh i don't know if i can i don't have you know the experience and i think for me that allowed me to really reflect and think about the transition of okay i have law it's a huge thing i have done a business before it's another huge thing i grew up in a business home that's a, a huge thing and with the tech startup, a lot of things, are, it's all about building. So you're coming into a space and building from scratch. Mm. You don't have a sales department. You are the sales department. You are the marketing department. You are the legal department. So essentially, everything that I'm doing is about building. And the most important thing is to have confidence. Mm. And I think you don't realize how much you need to learn in terms of your confidence once you've been broken by people or space. And when you enter into that space, you're like, wow, actually, I need to regain confidence in a lot of things. But anyway, that's a side note. But I'm just saying <laughs> you need to have confidence yeah, and really yeah. understanding that I can build this. I really can build this. I can build this. And I have a team of people that can help me build yeah, a lot of these you're things. Not alone. I'm not alone. And I, I know what I can do. There's so much resources out there. I listen to my, so many podcasts. I'm actually enrolling in something. I'm studying now my master's in law, but I'm, I'm also enrolling in another operations management course at first, mm. just to have more of an understanding of what I'm doing. But a lot of the things when I had to come in, they always say it was the wild, wild west. Uh, first it was only men. Then yeah. I came in. <laughs> I came in, I was, um, I was one of the first females there. There was another one prior to that, but she left. And then since then we've had two more women join us, which has been great. If you're a female dev, please DM me. <laughs> we are yes. looking for female devs. Yes. Yes. For future hires, just DM me, please. Um, well, not anytime soon. I'll get into trouble with the bosses. <laughs> but for future hires, which can be anytime from now yeah. to next year. Um, so, yeah, it's just trying to diversify the space, coming with new structures, new rules, new putting systems in place. Mm. And it's not always easy because mm -hmm. people are used to like, whoa what are you doing and i'm like whoa we need this you know yeah we need these structures so it's been a lot of you're like reading them in okay guys yeah. come now let's put this in this okay lunch hour it's <laughs> not this long it's actually this much guys something as simple as that but you know it's been such a joy the guys are so awesome i've learned so much i think my perspective perspective has changed so mm. much you go in having i had one single mind and i thought i was always like out there i'm like i think beyond my situation i'm like no i don't actually i've had such a narrow thinking and what this has allowed to do is open and broaden my way of how i see things yeah. perspectives and how i approach business how i approach life how i approach just a lot of things and in me being in this position, I always get shy. It took me, I think, two months to change it on LinkedIn. Because <laughs> I'm always like, what are you? It's like a shy, I get shy yeah, when I think yeah, about like it. I'm like, no, I need to own it, you know. I need to own my position. It's like, um, you know, when Miss Universe was crowned and then she went backstage, I think one of the organizers of the event, something, she introduced herself as Zozie Bean and one of the, one of the one of the organizers of the event was like, no, what what are you? Like, say you are yeah. Miss Universe. So, like, you need to say you are the COO. That's, that can be hard to mm. do. I can imagine, yeah. It owning it. Owning it, it can be so difficult. It's so, it can be so dirty. It can. Mm. I think also you like 
Um, I think when I started, I used to say, no, I manage operations and legal. <laughs> that was how I say it. Yeah. And they were like, so what position is that? I'm like, no, managing operations and legal. <laughs> <laughs> and I was there like, no, I mean, give us the position. Yeah. I'm the COO. They're like, what? I'm the COO. Like, oh, you didn't have to whisper that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think for me, as I said, this is like an assessment. As an op- I take it as an assessment and as something where I, c- I can say, what can I t- do to take me to the next level? What mm. can I do to get to the next level? And I think also when I look at Julia Switch, the CEO of a company in the US, one of the mega Fortune 500 companies, she started in law. She started in law and she was a lawyer for a long time. And then afterwards she became a CEO. A CEO. And I think it's always mm. about that thing of you can... I believe that sometimes you go in different channels to lead you to that one purpose. Mm. And even though I started law and I'm now in a different direction, I believe that that I started that to lead me to another direction or different channel. Yeah. But I'm ultimately moving towards. So I think one of the things is, is always needing to stay driven, needing to stay passionate. And that's what I found this year. I found that I've just like, I've always been a passionate person. I've always been a driven person. And I think having to rob me of that, you rob me a lot of who I am as I am and what I can do and what this has done. You're always like on the go because it's a startup. It's, yeah. it's on the go. Uber is a startup. Uber is on the, in a go. They're learning new solutions. Airbnb is a startup. They're learning new solutions every mm, time. Mm. So you look at those major startup companies like your Facebook, you like, you know, it's on the go. You, you have to learn things on the go. Mm. You can't, there is no, I remember trying to study what a CEO is meant to do a lot of CEO, <laughs> like the CEO of Instagram, CEO of Facebook, Cheryl. Cheryl, yeah. Cheryl Sandwich. They were all saying that there is no manual. A lot of the things is you have to go in there. There's no yeah. guidelines. You just have to step into that place and say, okay, what's the issue? What's the problem? Trying to breach that gap and finding solutions for that. Because most of the times there are no solutions because every company is different. Mm-hmm. Every tech company is different. Uber may have a problem in Africa different to what's in America. It's different. You have to find, find new solutions. Mm. So, yeah, it's, I think that's one of the things that I've found right now is that I'm challenging myself. What would you say to someone who's in a career transition phase as well? Um, I think, I think you, if you are confident in your decision, because it is a huge professional gap, for instance, if you are a doctor and now you want to put a pause on medicine and you want to go do something, maybe digital marketing, because a lot of people are, content, are influenced nowadays. So you want to do something like that. You really have to think about the professional gap you're taking because once you decide to go back to medicine, you're not going back to the years that have passed. You're going back to where you left off. So if your peers are four years ahead of you, mm. you're going back four years back. And that's not the end of the world. You know, it's, don't let time define your decisions. But think about the professional gap that you're taking because things can go really well. Things can go not well in terms of the company or mm. the decision you make. But having that confidence is so important. And also take it as a challenge. And I don't see it as more so as something that will go badly. Always say something that will pave your pave your the way to where you're getting to whether yeah. you're going back to the industry you go back to the industry as a more holistic person you won't just be that one narrow-minded person you're gonna go back as ayanda who has taken agricultural experience I understand agriculture i have understand tech and i'm a lawyer i'm going back with three things in one bag whereas i could have stuck in that career and yeah. just been one in one bag and know nothing else and now 
I've become an expert in different parts of the industry. So understanding that you will come back with a lot more. It is challenging, but challenge yourself of what next can I learn mm. to lead me to the next point that even if when I go back to that industry, I may be backwards in terms of my professional gap, but I have a lot more experience in yeah. different sectors. So that's important to really understand and make that decision confidently because it's not an easy decision. Mm, I can imagine. I, it's not <laughs> an easy decision. I think at home they were like, are you sure? Are you serious? <laughs> Don't you want to like... And I'm like, no, I'm quite sure. And I think I'm so blessed with... My parents are just very supportive. Like they, I think they have this thing of like, we just believe that you are... The decisions that you make yeah. are the right decisions for yourself. We've equipped you. We've equipped you. We've done the best we can mm. to make you make the right decisions. I look at my brothers, you know, my brother, my one of my brothers, 23, he is like your creative, he's super creative. He um, is a designer and, you know, for any traditional black dad, that's just not something that's <laughs> easy to take mm. on. And my brother's all about, always about challenging the status quo. So he will design things that challenges the status quo, like gender, um, a lot of the things. And so just seeing that he's able to sort of embrace that and he's studying marketing he's very creative but more than anything just having to have that designer um, art expression form of expression just goes back to what my parents have done they've said you know they really do believe that the decisions that we make are the right decisions for us because only we can make those decisions mm. for ourselves even though they may not understand it but they'll definitely support you yeah. you'll never feel like you're alone they'll you yeah. will know they don't get it but you know that you can never run to them and say, listen, I need help with this. I need yeah. to understand this. And they'll give you the right advice. Or even, you know, my mom, I think my mom's the best one because she will like go in as if she really, you know, she gets it. She's like, so how's it going? You know, you're like, it's not that deep, you know. But like, I think just having that has yeah. just made it easier than what it could have it could have been. Sorry. Okay. So um, I always ask my guests this question. I'm at the end of every interview. Yeah. And to give you context of where it comes from, it comes from my favorite quote, which is be who you needed when you were younger. I actually love that you said earlier on, um, be the boss. You were trying to do you aspire to be the boss that you would have needed. Yes. But because that's exactly what I like, what I believe in too. Be who you needed when you were younger. Mm. And with that, for me, um, comes this question. If you could go back in time and talk to younger Ayanda, mm -hmm. what would you say to her? Um, yeah, this is something I really thought about. I'm like, what can I say to my younger self? Because I've always thought, oh, what can I actually say? Because I'm still so young, too. <laughs> but you were younger. Yeah, I was younger. You were younger That's yesterday. Just like, <laughs> you were younger last year. And I'm just like, I'm always learning on the go. Mm. And everything changes every season. I think in this season, and I look back to sort of the kind of person that I was previous season, that whole plan or letting people around you sometimes define you mm. or letting people become sort of your existence and how you see yourself, mm. you know, or having to let your situation, or even people that I know, letting your situation define you or being trapped in that cycle of this is my life and the prison, it becomes a prison, you know, and having to break out of that takes a lot of work. Mm. So I think the first thing is never let anyone define you. You define yourself on your own terms, your success, from your success to what you're building. That is so important because... Letting people define your success from work, from school, can kill you. Literally can kill you in a sense of your mental, your health, or your being, or your who you are can kill you because you've been living out what Iran is saying and you allow 
the negativity to come into your life to define you and you don't want to be defined by negativity no way i have a thing this year that megan i'm megan markling everything i don't know if you know megan markle girl i'm like how can you ask me that question i'm just like <laughs> i want to make a mark negativity i'm gonna put on my shades if there's negative things i'm like i am megan marking you in my life i don't need negativity it's so important to yeah. not let those things define you and another thing is so important is that you need to understand that growth and comfort don't coexist if you want to grow it's going to be uncomfortable and you need to let that comfort I mean, uncomfortability to take place if you really want to grow because it can never coexist. And that's important to understand. And always, also another thing is challenge the status quo. Stay, challenge the status quo. Don't allow yourself to become what is defined as a doctor. If you can be a doctor, Ayanda, I'm speaking to Ayanda right now. If you can be a doctor and be a person that loves the community and wants to help out, be that. Challenge the status quo. Mm. Don't be defined by those hours that you're expected to work or what sort of society is put out there. Just challenge the status quo. Whatever that status quo looks like then, challenge it. And so those are my three things that I would tell my younger self. Do not let anyone define you. Define yourself at your own terms. Growth and comfort do not coexist. And challenge the status quo. Mm. Yeah, sure. What do you, what are, so what are your plans? If you just like, <laughs> you don't have to go into detail. Just like, what's next for Ayanda? Um, there's a lot that's next. Um, I did share some with you earlier. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> uh, share as much as you'd love to not want to do. Um, there's a lot that's happening. I think one Even from like a personal space Personal. Maybe. Oh, personal space. Wow. I think my plans for myself is to rediscover myself more and more. And I think one thing I am enjoying about this podcast, when I, what I was worried about is essentially saying, I have not figured out everything. I'm still like <laughs> learning. I'm still trying to figure out things. And it's so important to understand that you don't have to have everything figured out. Mm. It's okay to rediscover yourself. And I think I've lost part of what I used to enjoy and pay passionate about. And being in a month into this, I'm like, wow, I feel alive. I'm excited to go to work. But besides that, but personally, just rediscovering who I am yeah. is, you know, and just saying, I am proud of you. I forgive you and I commit certain things to you. And that's something that I want to work on personally and um, not personally. And I, I think things are always personal, though. Yeah. And I think taking away from lessons I've learned to find ways how I can help and equip other people. Mm. That's something I'm working on. And please be on the lookout for that. It's going to be coming soon. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. So while we're talking about people being on the lookout, how can any of our listeners or audience um, keep up with you and just get in touch with you if they want to? Okay, so for Instagram, it's Ayanda Bonani. No, sorry. Ayanda Vana. <laughs> I was going to say Ayanda Bonani Vana. That's my LinkedIn. So for Instagram, it's Ayanda Vana. And then for my LinkedIn, it's Ayanda Bonani Vana. Mm. So you can message me there. You can DM me on Instagram. It may take a while to get back to you, but I will eventually. <laughs> don't give up on me. You replied to me, so it's fine. <laughs> I do. She does reply, guys. I do reply, but it may take me a while. Just don't. Just be patient with me. Um, and yeah, those are the main things that you how you can reach me. I yeah. think social media is like the best way. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for I learned, having me. I really learned so much about you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I did not know what to expect, but wow. Thank you so much for Thank sharing your story. Thank you so much.
Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. As always, we love to engage with all of you, so feel free to pop us an email if you have any feedback or guest recommendations on info at shebrigade.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so don't forget to tag us on your posts at SheBrigade. See you next week.